Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle and one. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. It's been a while since we've had him on to talk Supercoach Draft, but Natty returns today. Thank God, it's been far too long, brother. How have we been? G'day Guru, what's going on, mate? Yeah, it's been, been a while between drinks, but it's good to be back on. Mate, the rub down, I've been watching your lives, your content, absolutely flying at the moment. Yeah, proper content, content sluts at the moment. We learned it from the best, though. <laughs> one of the best, one of the best looking <laughs> too, I hear. Now... <laughs> Mate, draft season. Uh, we are we're, we're actually recording this on the eve of round five kicking off. Well, it has kicked off. We had Newcastle Manly last night. Uh, mate, where are you sitting after four completed weeks? What's your record? So I am coming fifth in uh, a twelve man league. I've had two wins, one loss, and one draw. So Ooh, yeah, draw very draw. rare, but I got one over the line. I think when was that? That was round three. Now, mate, I'm, I always I'm find happy. the draw, as much as you're very close to a win, you're also as close to a loss, but the draw, it makes for and against completely irrelevant. I, I've only had a couple of draws throughout my Supercoach career. I think it's happened twice to me, but every time it does, the draw seems to work in my favour as far as the ladder goes. It can be the best thing or it can be the worst thing for you. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm pretty positive about it because, I look, I back myself to be probably top four at the end of the year. So I think, you know, that that for and against not going against me will probably work out better for me in the end. Um, I mean, let's be honest, I'll probably be top two. Probably, but, you know. Yeah, I you know. just, yeah. Be conservative. The, I don't want to be too brash. The number one thing that I love about the draw is that your, as we said, your for and against doesn't matter. And I remember a season where I had it. It would sort of, there'd be games where you know I, I might be in the in the top five or six, and if I was to lose, it meant that I wouldn't actually go down on the ladder at all because you'd still have spots in front of, like you, you'd still be in front of the people that you should be even with because your for and against doesn't matter. You're sort of on an island of your own, and if your waiver wire works the way that mine does where it goes lowest through to highest you can actually use it to your advantage a little bit tactically throughout the season 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, at the moment, like I am, I'm second highest um, scoring team. Um, but sometimes, and as you, you'll know this as well, throughout the season, people get lucky with their matchups. Um, you know, if you play buy rounds, sometimes that gets the uh, four and against a little bit skewed as well. And sometimes it really can't be a true indication of how your team's going. So it's good for me that I don't have to worry about it. Um, if I'm first, second, third, you know, I'm def- I'm going to be there on an island on my own. Now, mate, just give us a reminder in your competition, obviously mine... I've got 14 guys in my competition. We picked 17 players altogether. Yours is a little bit different. Just to remind people of the structure of your comp. Yep. So good. 12 team league, um, and we had we picked 14 players. So 10 starting players and four on the bench. So we have one less 2RF and two less CTWs, and we've gone that way so that we keep the waiver wire a little bit more interesting. Um, I like and there's. There's uh, merit to both ways that we play the game here, Guru. You're obviously in a 14-man league with a you know a full complement of players, 17, uh, and obviously that promotes players to do their research and sort of be ahead of the curb, and it makes it more competitive. And you got to do your study, um, and I like that. And it's probably suited to more die-hard super coach players, guys that have got their finger on the pulse. Whereas my league is full of degenerate gamblers and alcoholics that don't really give a fuck and I need to make it as easy as possible for them. So like at the moment, if you just if I just went on and looked at waiver, there'd be so many good players on there, sort of good to go, do you want you know what I mean? Like um so and that makes it makes it it makes it really interesting, especially with your guys, because we've only got two CTWs, it means streaming your CTWs becomes pretty fluid, like just depending on matchups because there's so many good players on the waivers that you could have one guy, one CTW that you're bringing in your team and dropping him the next week and and continue that flow uh, due to matchups because there's so much value on the waivers. And for people that will understand Supercoach draft competitions, it's like you're talking a different language to me. Like the idea of being able to drop center wings just doesn't happen in my comp. It's pretty crazy how only a couple of teams and a couple of positions, it can just make it a completely different game. And that, that's what I do like about your comp. It's probably more relevant um, to the average person. My my comp where we've got 14 guys where we pick 17 is probably um, the outlier. The, 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 there are plenty of guys that listen to both of our podcasts that I know are in comps like that, but it, uh, it definitely is the outlier. Mate, just to give you know, the listeners an indication, you said you you had the second most overall points. Uh, in my comp at the moment, I had Pappy as captain on the weekend, so I'm the overall top point scorer. I'm sitting on 3,100. What sort of points are, are we talking about in your comp? I think I am. Let me have a look here. So 2,600 and something. Just let me get it up. 2,631. Yeah, right. Okay. I, I, I saw, so, so we've got... That's interesting. We've got... or Fuck. We, we've got five guys that are already o- o- over 3,000. So, so your comp must be pretty fucking even then. Yeah, it, it has been to, to start the the um the season. So there's probably like there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys out of twelve. Uh eight guys out of twelve that are over two thousand three hundred. Yeah, right, okay. That's interesting. And is yours a captain's comp, yeah? Captain's comp and waiver is a reverse ladder. Yeah, right. And did you start from round one? Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Mate, let's let's dive into your team. Uh, now, yep. obviously, we look back on 
draft day. We'll go through in that sort of order. You've you had your 14 players that you picked there, and obviously uh, there's been a heap of guys that have been added, added off the waiver wire. Uh, so the, the, there's a couple of curveballs to throw in there, but we'll start off the very top. Uh, Latrell Mitchell, you took him pick six. Now, mm-hmm. um, Latrell Mitchell, I mean, considering he's played, you know, three really hard teams, he's come out with a 63 average. I would guess that you must be absolutely stoked with how it's played out considering the opposition so far. Mate, my dick is hard enough to punch through denim when I'm looking at Latrell Mitchell's performances coming up over those Penrith, Storm, Roosters. To average what he's averaging, I'm very happy. And we all know that Latrell Mitchell starts the season quite slow, sluggish, a little bit overweight. It takes him time to sort of work into the season and get that fitness. Um, And I actually really like his involvement so far, you know. A couple of games there, he sort of didn't inject himself until sort of the later parts of the game. But I liked him on the weekend. I thought he, he put his hand up for some tough runs. And when you see that from Latrell, you know he switched on. So I'm pumped. And and like I've heard you say it on your podcast, we've said it on ours. The next 10 games for the Bunnies, just you're licking your lips if you've got Latrell or Cody. Yeah, well, I, I think I said the other day on, on beers and break-evens that over the next 10 weeks, all the teams that he plays, his, his average against all those teams over his whole career is like 69 or 67 or something, which considering that's he's already 89. averaged 60... What's that? I reckon that's about 89 now with yeah, the goal right. kicking. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, throwing the goal kicking. He obviously played centre for a number of those games as well. So, yep. mate, it's going to be huge over the next 10 weeks or so uh, for Latrell. Now, you took him six overall. I well, I assume it was the usual suspects that went before him, Turbo, uh, Cleary, Pappy, Teddy, um was fifth the Cody Walker, or who, who, who are we talking about at fifth? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Cody Walker, yeah, Cody which Walker. made the decision pretty easy for me um, with Latrell Mitchell. I, I think I had to make the decision between Harry Grant and Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, well, you, you, you must be happy with how, how that one's played out then. Oh, and the thing is, when you're a captain's league, and you know this, Guru, you always go for the upside. Look, if it wasn't a captain's league, maybe i go Harry Grant um, just because of that consistency. Like, he's going to average maybe 80, and his coefficients of variance is going to be quite slim. But if you're a captain's league, someone you know like Latrell that you can vice-captain and captain every week, you need that in your side. Now, mate, you just mentioned upside, and both of us were very high on going upside early players on draft day. Your next guy that you took was Ruben Garrick. Uh, now, obviously, Manly haven't hit the ground running so far. They, they they looked a little bit better last night. I think he scored about 48 or 50, Ruben Garrick, pre-updates. Uh, Ruben Garrick so far averaging 51 points. Uh, we, he obviously hasn't scored as many tries or scored as many goals as what we probably anticipated he would. How are you feeling about him at this point so far? Yeah, I've been pretty disappointed. But um, last week when they played... Um Actually, the last two weeks, so against the Bulldogs and the Raiders, I was starting to see more of that left-edge dominance from Manly. The thing is, it's so heavily um, tied to how Turbo goes. Turbo's had a slow start, so everyone else around him has had a a slow start. But you saw those last two games against the Dogs and Raiders where, you know, Turbo is starting to put his hand up and really have a a red-hot go. And that's when Garrick's going to go well. Like, when he starts sweeping down that left edge and creating space for Garrick... That's that's why he averaged eighty eight last season. So, I'm I'm disappointed, but I know that if Turbo fires, he'll fire. Yeah, for sure. And, and you have a look at his run home too in the finals. He's got games against the Gold Coast and against the Canberra Raiders, two teams who have shown in the early part of the season that they're not afraid to concede a fuckload of points, are they? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And that's 
And to be honest, that's why I picked Garrick over To'o was that the run home was better. And I, I, I put it down to that Ruben Garrick is going to be more valuable than To'o in those last four games, 21 to 24. And I will just add as well, Latrell Mitchell, he went six overall where, where Natty got him. That's the same spot he went in my comp. Uh, you got Ruben Garrick picked 19. He actually went 12th overall in my comp. Mm. So you got some pretty good value there. Mate, uh, one of your Rooster boys, Daniel Tupu, uh, possibly still the most underrated player in this competition. Uh, he started the season reasonably well with a 65 average. Uh, he scored three tries in four games. The last three games, he scored a try in each of them. And he's gone 72, 71, 79. This is sort of what you can expect out of Daniel Tupu. Uh, if anything, probably the underside of Daniel Tupu, realistically. Yeah, he's safe as houses. And it sort of goes down that role of um, he's a man crush for me, plays for my roosters. I like to watch him play. He adds to the enjoyment of Supercoach for me. So I always sort of add that into my calculations when drafting guys. Um, pick 30, I was happy with that. Around that sort of round three for us, there was a big run on CTWs, you know, when Stags went, when Lomax went, when Toops went. Um, and I was happy to take Toops there um, in round three. I was always, round three, round four was always going to be trying to get one of those guys. Um, so I probably went a little bit early in my, in my calculations at the start of the season. But now looking back on and how Daniel Tupu has played, I'm really happy with it. Like, Mate, tonight against the Broncos, if he doesn't score two tries against this Selwyn Cobo, who is really down in confidence, I think we'll see we'll see the best of Daniel Tupu tonight. And mate, I was just about to add, as you said, tonight they play the Broncos. Really good matchup there. When you have a look at his finals run, round twenty one he plays the Broncos. Round twenty two he plays the Cowboys. Twenty three against the Tigers. He plays all three of those games at the SCG. Uh, dreams are made of that sort of stuff. 100%. That's exactly right. And obviously playing a VC captain's league, um, he's going to be a VC option um, every time he puts the boots on in the finals. I'll tell you what, if there's a world where a Daniel Tupu goes quiet for a couple of weeks and you don't have him, geez, I'd be looking to trade for him because that, that finals run is so juicy, it's not even funny. 100%. And people really sleep on, on Toops and they forget about his base. Like, he actually has a superb base. He was one of the top base-heavy CTWs before these guys like Toto came on the scene. Like, he makes 19 to 22 runs every fucking game, no matter who he plays. And he's been doing that for years. And I guess he's the sort of guy, I mean, like, in in a comp like mine, like, I've got Katoni Staggs. He's obviously hasn't been going too well, but... Fuck a trade where you pair Katoni with someone else to get a Daniel Tupu. There's definitely um, you, the, 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 there's some big gains to be had in, in a trade like that. Yeah, and this is sort of I've been telling people to come into my DMs about trades. You know, like you've got to be smart about it, especially at this time of the year when everyone's holding on to their players really tightly. Like it, it sort of eases up when it gets closer to finals and your bench isn't as important as it is right now. So when you're going for these trades, you need to make it look like they have won the lotto. Yep. You need to be ahead of the curve. You need to be looking at the final schedule. You need to be looking at the opposing players, the guys that you're trading out there, their strength of schedule. And you need to be, there's an underlying positive move here that they can't see, but on the surface, it looks like they've won the lotto. And that's how you have to approach trades at this point in the season. Mate, round four. Um, I I like this pick. Josh Schuster, he hasn't played yet, obviously. He will be back soon, which is part of the reason why you got him pick four. Mate, the guy in my comp that took Josh Schuster, he took him in round three. Now, he, 
for me, he sort of drafted Josh Schuster, you know, as if he was playing round one, which I've actually gotten no issue with uh, because you know by the back end of the season he is going to be a gun. But you really got Josh Schuster in a spot where he was out for six weeks and it, it, it looks to me like people in your comp were a little bit scared off by him missing those first few weeks. Personally, if you would have said to me in the preseason that Josh Schuster would be playing by round four, I wouldn't have argued with you. I sort of thought that he would have played last night in my diary. Hopefully he is back next week. We haven't seen him on any team list, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're not really worried about what Josh Schuster does in the first 15 weeks, are you? No, exactly. And look, I had Josh Schuster in our top 30 um, in preseason when we were ranking ranking guys. Um, and it was a bit of a strategic play here because I knew guys would sleep on him because of that injury. Um, so I was happy to go Daniel Tupu. And I said to myself, if Josh slips to me in the next round, have to take him. The big one for me is that 5'8 dual eligibility, 5'8 scary. And we've seen already that how hard it is to field um, a half and a 5'8 if you, you get copped, if you cop a couple of injuries. So, um, yeah, no, I'm pumped with Josh Schuster. I think he'll come back. I think he'll he'll beat his average from last year. I think he'll play a bigger role in attack. And look, Manly need to do this. They need to inject Josh Schuster more into the attack because they can't be a one-man team. They need to spread the love here and be, a, a you know, not just play down the same corridor. Because we saw at the start, like, the def- defences were just shutting down Turbo. And that's why they were having a slow start to the season. So I'm really hope that Josh Schuster comes in and plays a more attacking role on this side. Mate, I, I actually think that he has, because he hasn't been on the field, I think it's actually lifted his stocks because you can, you can literally see the difference in their attack when he isn't on the field. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And the thing is, what I really like about his return and why I'm excited about it is Kieran Foran's playing some of the best footy that I've seen him play in a few years. Um, and I think he'll revel in this young kid, Josh Schuster, coming in and be able to use him. Not only short ball as a you know a strong edge line runner, but also as another half, yep. giving giving him space and letting he, letting him do what he wants to do with the ball on the outside. So yeah, good things I think. Yeah, I mean he he sort of reminds me of Matty Burton last year, how he was playing. As a second 5'8 at centre, Josh Schuster realistically plays like a second 5'8 in the second row. So you get the beauty of all the base stats plus the attacking upside there. It, it is a perfect spot to be. And once he walks back into your side, he's going to be lethal. Now, talking about forwards with attacking upside, pick number five. You got him pick pick number five, which was number 54 overall. In my competition, he went 41 overall. And I still thought there was value at 41 at 54 sensational Joshy Curran from the New Zealand Warriors. He has started the season really, really well. He looks great in the first week. I think he scored close to 90 points. He absolutely brained it. Just getting his stats up now. 81 in the first week, 63 the next week, 56 the week after that. 49 last week, played out on the edge. Personally, I think he needs to be at 13. You must be a little bit worried about Tohu's return. Yeah, that worried me. I actually captained him that that week that he uh, played uh, on the edge and it ultimately lost me the game. Um, Yeah, look, and we'll talk about this before we press record on the podcast. The thing we like about Josh Curran, he's going to get 45 tackles every single week. And obviously he's got a nice tackle break and his running game's not bad, but you you definitely want that, that solid base to go along with his game. And then anything above that is going to be a nice little cherry on top. And 
the Warriors attack just isn't the same as it was last year. Like last year, I remember we were talking about how many fucking edge back rollers were scoring tries for him. It was crazy. The percentage was through the roof and they're just not playing that way. So, you know, those, those upside games that Joshy was having last year, we were scoring tries and making line breaks. I just don't think they're going to be there this year. Um, So I would much rather him play lock, Um, but it is a worry once Tohu comes back. So for me, I'm going to be looking at moving him around and trying to get some trade value for him while he's playing lock. Get him sort of... I'm, I'm hoping that now that Jazz is out for a couple of games that he can string a couple of 70-point games. Yep. And if if he can do that, I'm going to sell him high on that and just try and get someone else in there. I was just about to ask, in an ideal world, he scores two tries in the next three weeks and then you can move him on high there. It would be a perfect situation for you and... Good God, you could get a handy bloody player for Josh Curran, couldn't you? 100%. And that's that going back to what I said. You know, on on face value, on surface value, someone's going to go, what, you're trading me Josh Curran? He's absolutely killing him. What am I missing here? Yeah, of yeah. course I'll fucking take that trade. So, and that's what you want to hit him with. Mate, let's move to pick number six. And this is the first guy out of a few, actually, uh, that we've both got in our sides. I went in pick 53 in my comp. You got in pick 67. The value was massive on this guy. And I'm going to hand the floor over to you because you've probably got a uh, I told you so to hit me with. So (laughs) off you go. Look, first up. He wasn't a guy that I was targeting because I already had Josh Schuster, and I hate to have both back rowers in my team. But like I always say, value is value, and if it fucking falls in your lap, you have to take it. Now, pick 67 is ridiculous for Ola Kawatu. Um, and the way I was talking about Josh Schuster with this attack, you know, they have to spread the love a little bit. I do love DCE and how he uses his edge edge back rowers. Um, and we've seen the last couple of games, you know, they're linking up, they're playing better together. Um, but yeah, I did tell you that you need to start Ola Kawatu last night because he was going to kill it. And you said, though, I was an idiot. Now who's got egg on their face? Well, uh, mate, I sent out three text messages to three people that I trust their super coach opinions, and I got three overwhelmings. Yes, you need to play him. So me being me, thinking I'm the smartest guy in every single room I fucking walk into, decided, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to rest him. And he comes up with an 87-point score. So, And you know what? I'm really com- – I've actually tipped – my other three back rowers to score tries this week, and I think they're all going to have good games, but there's not a hope in hell I made the right decision last night. It, uh, yeah, just it, was, it was hard, man. The, the guys that you threw up there, it was it was really hard. And I was probably biased because I was bullish on playing him. I actually started Ola Kawatu over Josh Curran. That's how confident I was this week in, um, in big... What do they call him? Schmoly. Schmoly. Yeah. He, he just looks dangerous, doesn't he? And he's always... Mate, every time I watch him on TV, I go... Fuck, he's bigger than I thought he was. Every single week he gets me on. He is just an Adonis, isn't he? Mate, and they've they've got this play down, Pat, at the moment where they get him running hard and straight, few hit-ups off the edge, nice little ball off the hip from DCE. And then close to the line, they just put this grubber in and they know that he's going to get there. So defences sort of get up and they plant their feet, try like getting ready to try and fucking tackle this monster. And all of a sudden they put a kick in and he runs straight past them or just bowls them over. And it's try time. I love it. And, mate, when I have a look at his last four weeks of the season, Titans, Sharks, Raiders, Canterbury, take out the Sharkies game. Uh, that is an unreal little run home. I'll back him to score two to three tries in the last four weeks. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest, he has been a little bit disappointing um, apart from last night. His base hasn't been there. Um, but again, it's mainly the team itself. They've been struggling and they haven't been on song. So I think once this team is up and humming, he'll be humming. And I, I think it's also worth noting that he did come into the year with the elbow injury that we weren't too mm. sure if he was going to be able to play. He came back a lot earlier than anticipated. I think he, he, he's had a few knocks during the week. He looks like uh, Mal Meninga out there with, with, with the amount of bandage around that arm. Yeah. But, uh, mate, I just think there's so much more upside there. And, mate, for pick 67, I think the value there is massive. Now, number seven, and uh, I absolutely love this pick. You actually went 10 picks earlier than me, so you must have been fucking sick of hearing me dribble for the six months of the preseason. Isaac Tago, um, has there been a better pick in both of our drafts? No, no. And look, I was on the same page as you. I was always going to reach for Tago, and I told everyone that asked me about Tago, yes, you need to reach for this kid. Um, and yeah, it's come off. It's, it's you know, he's one of my best performing players in my team. Picked him in round seven. Um, he's just absolutely killing it. And I'm playing him in my back row. So yeah. to have, to be in a captain's league where upside is everything, to be able to play a guy like Tago in your in your back row is unfucking believable Yeah, and like I, I've had guys like Tago before that I, I got on draft day that just came from nowhere. Johnny Bateman comes to mind. And to have that second row forward and centre wing when on any given week they can go 70-plus and then you get to the waiver wire and you can pick a CTW or a 2RF... It's just, you can't put a value on it, can you? No, 100%. And, like, we've already covered, you know, like, I'm pretty 2RF heavy with once Schuster comes back, I'll like Schuster, Curran, and Olakawatu, and then I've got Tago that I'm playing in there. So I'm very 2RF heavy, which is going to give me, you know, an opportunity here to sell someone, um, whether it is Olakawatu or Curran, I'm going to sell one of them. Uh, Like I said, I, I don't really like... Um, having both the edge line runners for Manly in one team, so it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to see who who I sell. But Tago will be one of my second row forwards every week. He's locked and loaded there. That's it, mate. His base stats so far this year is averaging thirty five base stats, which is incredible. Um, he has scored three tries. He's also been denied three tries, so he's crossed the stripe on another three occasions that have been turned over. Uh, it just shows the sort of pedigree he's got that on a bad day, he's going to score you 50, and on a good day, he'll score you 90. And personally, I don't think we've seen a very good day out of him yet, to be honest with you. Yeah, and what's he? He's averaging like 130 meters a game, running yeah. meters. Like he's he's rolling the sleeves up. He's getting getting through a lot of work. Um, and then you've obviously got May coming in there. And I heard you talk about how you know they've played together in the undergrads and coming up through the, the younger when they were young. And it does show they are one big brain out there. They know exactly where each other are on the field. You know, if it's not Tago putting tries on for May, it's May putting tries on for Tago. I. I think there is a world where we see Tooko back to the right wing yep. when he comes back. 
um, just to keep these kids together. Um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. You know that To'o is going to put a great effort and do what he does on the right just as, as he does on the left. But then you've got the nice combination of Cleary and To'o as well. And if you take your mind back to that, that was fucking humming when it was Cleary and To'o. They were putting tries on left, right and centre. So scary, scary thought that, you know, you're going to have a back line of the Panthers with those guys in it. Oh, mate, if that happens, really, I, I can't see them getting beat in the grand final. Seriously, it's... it's Is it the sexiest back line we've seen in a long time? Yeah, oh, mate, it's incredible. And, I mean, the, the other thing that I want you to consider is that this could be the third year in a row that the Panthers left centre gets Dally M centre of the year. We saw Stephen yeah. Crichton into Matty Burton. And, mm. mate, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I know Dane Gagai has been very impressive, but he has had his off, game, off days. He got given a bath by Sifatalakai last week. Mate, Tago's missed two or three tackles all season, and two of them have led to tries. But outside of that, mate, he has been incredible. And I, I really do think right now he would be the favourite for that Dally M um, centre of the year award. Easily, easily. Now... I don't know. You would know this. Um, has he played too many games to be rookie? He has. He played one okay. too many games. So that's a oh, real mate. kick in the dick. But Jeez. I'll tell you what, the guy outside him, Taylor May, I think there's a really mm. good chance that he could take it. Yeah, let's hope um, this this drama, the off-field drama, doesn't come to bo- come back to bite him in the ass. But if that doesn't and he plays the whole season, 100%. I mean, he really is a clone of To'o, the way that he plays the game. Yep. You know, he's a smaller guy, built low to the ground, but his ass and his quads and his hammies are fucking huge, and that just gives him so much power when he's running the ball. Heaps of tackle breaks in him. Um, yeah, essential, very arousing. Now, mate, uh, your next one, I imagine this is probably your disappointment out of all of them, and oh, I'll be honest with you, mate. I'm a little bit surprised you went this guy. Uh, Big Stefano, you went in pick 91, and Mate, we, we obviously spoke all off-season about leaving front rowers till the very end. There was only a couple of guys that had upside in the front row, and I, I imagine that that was your reasoning for going um, Stefano here. It obviously hasn't played out. He's injured, but even before that, he was incredibly disappointing to start the season. In my comp, uh, he went pick 157, and you, you obviously took him pick 91, um, and this isn't uh, having a crack at you about this. You obviously have to back your gut feel in, and that's what we always say. What was your feelings coming into the season on uh, Big Stefano? No, definitely have a crack at me because I've shit the bed with this one. I've absolutely shit the bed. Like, I was pretty you're, confident you're that You already know I think you're in. a fuckwit, so, yeah. I, I mean, we, we, we can leave it there, but proceed. Oh, fuck. I thought he was going to average 60 points. Like, seriously, yeah. I was like... The way that he played um, in the back end of last year, um, he was unstoppable. Uh, and, like, obviously, I think Jacob Little getting injured early probably hurt um, his chances to score any tries. Because line. And also, the Tigers have been horrible. Um, but it was the minutes and the consistency um, that they were playing these forwards that really hurt Stefano. And as soon as he got injured, I couldn't wait to get him out of my team, to be honest, because, uh, yeah, it was no good. But... And, and this is across the board. Front row forward has been the hardest position to get a gauge on this year. I don't know what it is. Um, no one's got any consistency apart from, you know, those top elite front row forwards. Um, you know, last year you could you could waiver or free agent pick up a guy that's going to get you 48 every week for really consistency. That just doesn't exist, you know. The 55s of last year is a 45 this year. And Wooker sort of did a bit, little bit of a deep dive into how they're awarding tackles, and it seems like they're not awarding as many second-in and third-in tackles. They're not giving those tackles uh, for super coach points this year that they were giving last year. So some guys are dropping 
you know, five, ten points in their average. Mate, every preseason we say leave your front rowers t- till the very end. This is actually the first ever year that I followed that direction. I, I didn't pick a guy, a front rower, until round, I think, 14, 15, 16, 17, around that mark. And, mate, it's worked out really well for me. As you said, the front rowers at the moment, it is an absolute shit fight. As you said, yep. the top guys are good, but I feel like that group of top guys is smaller than it ever has been. Everyone else just fucking sucks. It is yep. awful. Yeah, it's the best position to AE at the moment. Yeah. Like, if you've got a guy that can get you 50 points uh, every week, fucking that's fantastic. You, you, you're beating half the league. And then for your other position, if you can AE that guy for someone that's getting decent points on your bench, that's definitely the way to go. The, the way that I've sort of gone with mine is that I've, I've started to pick up front rowers who they might only score 40, but they're only an injury away from having more upside in that team. So the only front rower I'm running with right now is Max King. I'm just running with him, knowing mm. that I'm going to get 40 from him most weeks. And then if there is an injury to a Vaughn or a Thompson or a Josh Jackson, then he will go up in points. Because, mate, as you said, you cannot find anyone that is scoring 50 points. It is like, if you're saying that in your comp, then you consider the depth in my comp. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I was looking, obviously doing the Waiver Wide podcast this week, just looking at front row forwards and who you can pick up. Um, and look, anyone listening out there, do n- don't waiver claim any front row forwards in 2022. Just never do it. Yeah. Always pick up for free agent. Don't ever, I don't care who the fuck it is, do not waiver claim for a front row forward. But I was just looking at like the top 20 and there's guys like Francis Molo that's the 11th best front row forward this year. Yeah, and he's and he had like one line break in one game, and it's going to separate him for two weeks. Um, like uh, uh, crazy, like yeah. crazy well, mate, how it's setting up, mate. Oh, I got to the end of my draft day, and I took Saif- Jacob Saifidi, and I took Blake Laurie, and I thought, fuck, I've got unreal value Good here, mate. It's the end of round five, <laughs> and two other people have already dropped them since I have. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it, it's crazy out there. Mate, so we took Stefano there. That's Would you say that that's been the biggest fuck-up of draft day for you? Oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah. And, like, try, try and take my mind back to what was happening. There was a huge run at har, on halves, yep. which really I had to sort of um, step, move, spin, find out what I was going to do next. And I had Stefano as, like, one of my favorite front row forwards uh, in my rankings. And I was like, look, I'll just get him and see what happens um, in the next couple of rounds. And, yeah, fucking shit the bed. I mean, mate, in saying that, if he would have averaged your your 55-60 and still had that attacking upside, like, he's a guy that I think the Tigers are going to really struggle without him. And I I actually think, supercoach-wise, this period out might help him because I think Madge might realize or, or remind himself just how important he is to this side. But... We'll see how it plays out for Stefano. You mentioned there was a there was a run on halves there in your comp and pick nine. Um, Toby Sexton, the young gun from up on the Gold Coast, uh, last weekend against the West Tigers, uh, uh, possibly the worst game of football to ever fucking exist with no points being scored. Mate, he Hands scored down. 29. I yeah, mean, to score <laughs> 30 in a shit fight like that, and I mean, outside of that, what's he averaging? About 58 points. You must be happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm real happy. And the boys in the league really gave it to me over this pick. They, they thought I, I reached for him, which I probably did. Um, but I'm, from what I saw last year, and yeah, it is a, a small sample size. Um, I was happy with it. I liked that his goal kicking. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The, the Titans do have a lot of points in them. I know they didn't show it on, the, on Thursday, last Thursday night, but they do. Like, they are that team that goes out there and they're just like, look, we're going to let you score a lot of tries, but we're just going to try and score more tries than you. That's that's who they are as a team. That's their identity. Um, I do feel that Brimo coming into this side has stifled Toby Sexton's attack a little bit. When he wasn't in the side, he was playing both sides of the ruck, which was really good for his attacking upside. Now he's sort of just locked down to that right edge um, corridor. I'd really like to see... Brimo and and Sexy sort of doing that that attacking stack that all the best sides in the comp are doing where, you know, Brimo's going to sweep over to the right, they're going to join on that right edge, or Toby goes back over to the left and they link up on that left. If that starts happening, I think that'll be great for Sexton's game. But um, yeah, I, I'm happy, man. Like, halfback's really hard to come by. Mate, I heard the perfect analogy of the Gold Coast Titans. I think it was yesterday. I think it was Isaac John that said it, and he said they're like a kid in the in the deep end of the water. No matter what level the water is at, they just keep their head at that level. No matter who they're playing, they just play to their level. You think about their game against Parramatta, you know, 38, 36, scored a heap of points. They played the Tigers a month later. It looks like they've never seen a fucking football before. They played the Raiders the week before, and in typical Raiders fashion, they play one half of football, then just completely clock off for the other side. The Titans, they just mirror their opposition at the moment. Yeah, I've always said this about the Titans. They have no soul. And that might be, you know, Titans fans listening to this. It's like those redheads. Yeah, yeah, just have no fucking soul. Like, they need to... They just have no grit about them. Like, yeah. That, but they are that team. Like, they play up to position, they play down to position. Um, but I, I, I do believe that, you know, on any given day, they, they do have a lot of points in it. I'm just hoping Toby's going to have his fingerprints all over them. Now, and I think the other thing with Sexton, and we both mentioned in the preseason, is that I don't think there's a world where he gets dropped either. I think the Titans... Yep will be good enough to stay in games to the point where they don't need to make changes. There's no one else there that they can really swap him with, and he is the future. So that is the other huge positive of him. Mate, let's move to your next pick. And uh, pick number 10, this one was, Britton Nakora. Now, interestingly enough, I actually took him in my comp as well. Uh, You took him pick 115. I took him pick 109. So we both saw the value in Britton Nakora. And... Um, it, it, it's been a mixed start. I will say this, you know, the first two weeks, it was a little bit disappointing. I was worried. I think 36, 37. Since then, he's gone 67, 76. So at the moment, I'm really high on Britton Nakora. But if it was switched around and 67, 66 were the first two weeks and the last two were 36, 37, we're having a very different conversation. But you can see the sort of back rower that he can be. He can just base start the living shit out of games, can't he? Yeah, look, at pick at 115, I thought that was supreme value, but I rage-traded Britain and got rid of him. Um, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just had too many back rows as well. Like, yeah. I've just got... I was just... Look, I'm already... Even without him, I'm really edge back row heavy, and I can only play two of them with the league that I've got set up. Um, and because... Because, like I was saying at the start of the podcast, there's so much value in our waiver at all times. Um, I ended up... I forget who I... I think I've got Sione Katoa in there for him. Yeah. So, 
I'm happy with that. Like, obviously, I look back and I go, yeah, now he's smashing it, he's killing it in the core, but fuck, so is Katoa. Yeah, exactly. Fair shout. Uh, I, I thought that was great value on Nakora. Uh, number 11 was Lindsay Collins. Now, we mentioned that front row, it's been a bit of a uh, wasteland. Is he still in your team currently? Yes, I'm really happy with Collins. So I love where I got him. Um, pick 11. Uh, I love... He's been pretty consistent, like, um, especially, like, after that first round. He's come back in. He's starting to put more more minutes out there on the park and it really does seem though that like he is the alpha there um in uh, in amongst the big boys you know obviously jwh has got plenty of niggles uh siwa's moving on next year so and the thing i like about lindsey collins and this is just the eye test he's fucking in everything like you watch a roosters game he is everywhere he's tackling everything he's running all over everyone and that just shows me that his confidence is back and that can sometimes be the problem with guys coming back from acls is that confidence and for me it looks like he's ready to rip and tear well mate if you take out that one round two performance i mean he's averaging 50 in base stats which you know for the last few years (laughs) was pretty stock standard but you're just not seeing it at the moment no, nah, no, nah, yeah, 50 in base stats. You take that every day of the week um, in 2022. And as you said, his other two front row partners, I mean, you can have a bet that at least once every three weeks, one of Takiyaho or Rhea Hargraves will be a late scratching. We have seen that for tonight yep. as well. I believe Takiyaho's out, so all of a sudden, Lindsay will grab an extra six to ten points there, and I think that'll be a pretty consistent thing, and that's if... Either of those two gets through the entire season injury-free, which, as you said, very unlikely. Pick number 12. Now, I was very high on this guy. I thought he would be the 5'8 for round one. I had him pushed up my draft list as well. You got pretty good value on him, though, and as much as he didn't get 5'8 to start the season, he has landed there now. Billy Walters, he's got about a four-week opportunity to hold on to that jersey. Have you still got Walters in your side? Yeah, so I've got a little bit of a story about Billy Walters. So um, for those of you that don't know my... Uh, my league, the Loveless League, we're a betting league, so we bet players. There's mandatory bet rounds. Um, and it's it's more or less just to keep a nice flow of players in and out of teams. Uh, so I won uh, Burton, Matty mm-hmm. Burton, in um, round one, and I gave uh, the other uh, guy that lost, Billy Walters. And this was before we knew that Billy Walters was going to get dropped. So we are coming off that. I think he scored 63 points. So the guy that... Um, that lost, he was stoked. He was like, yeah, I'll take Billy Walters. But then it turned out, you know, he didn't get named. Yeah. So then he dropped Billy Walters. And then I picked Billy Walters back up. So now I've got Burton and Walters. Game, yeah, set, right. match. It's like a message in the bottle stuff coming back to you. <laughs> so he's back in my team and I'm happy about it. Because yeah. 5'8", hooker, jewel eligible. That is the the most valuable jewel um, this year. It's like the old halfback 5'8 jewel. Like it's, you can't put a price on this 5'8 hooker jewel. It is the best. Now, mate, your next pick. Uh, We spoke about Tago probably being your pick of the draft, but as far as points to where you drafted goes, mate, Blake Braley is going to be very hard to top. Uh, He's averaging 66 points at fucking hooker and you got him. With pick 13, that's massive. Yeah, I've got another, like, a little story about the the Braley brothers. So I picked up Jaden last year. Yeah. I picked him round 14. And then, obviously, he comes out 
and is the best hooker on the planet. Looks like Danny fucking Madeiras for the first three months, yeah. Yeah, averaging 70 points, um, and that sort of put me in a good stead to to lead the comp for most of the year, went on to obviously take home the trophy. I've picked his brother this year, sort of around the, the same spot, thinking, yeah, look, I'll get 50 points. He's come out and absolutely brained it. So, look, if you want someone with the last name Braley to play well, I just have to draft him. Have you got any good Durkins over there just quietly? <laughs> I've been desperate for a good fucking season. Yeah, um, shit. But, mate, yeah, I mean, and we spoke in the preseason that Blake Braley has, he's always had this in him, but I've just never been able to trust that this is going to be the season. Did you have a feeling that this was going to be the one, or is this just sort of a hit and hope at the back end of draft day that's paid off? Yeah, no, we did. Um, we talked about Braley a lot in the preseason. We had him as a top 10 hooker. I think we have had him as eighth um, wow. best hooker overall. Uh, and we were pretty happy with that. We thought, you know, the Sharks were going to be a more attacking side. They were going to have more points in them. And we really liked the way that this Sharks forward pack was going to line up. And we thought that that dominance that they're going to get and they're going to get the Sharks on the, on the front foot which will work really well for Blake Braley's game his running game specifically and that's what we've seen we've just seen him have space out of dummy half and then his vision I think we always knew that he had it maybe he just didn't have the the confidence to back it you know like he's probably sitting there five meters out going oh there's a gap there should I go nah look I'll just play it safe now he's backing himself with it and, mate, like, this is the beauty of him back when he was playing reserve grade and under 20s. Mate, he would dart all the time, and he was absolutely dominating those competitions. It's just been a matter of waiting until we saw it. Now, mate, I just had a look through my comp, and I, I couldn't work out exactly who had him, but I've worked it out. In my comp, the bloke that took Blake Braley, he took him pick 52. And as much as that was super early, it has actually paid off. It's probably been a fair draft. But for you to get him at pick 150 in a position that is very scarce scarce that is unbelievable mm. oh mate i'm yeah to be honest he is my best value pick um in my draft so i'm stoked i'm just hoping that the braley curse doesn't come round 13 or thereabouts wherever fucking Jaden fell off the cliff <laughs> mate your last pick uh tyrell sloan we spoke about him during the off season that he's the sort of guy that um, he's if he scores a try, he can still score forty odd points. I imagine that this one was just a pick fourteen um, throw at the dart. It's obviously gone th- throw at the dartboard. It's obviously gone worse than what we probably expected off the back of uh, Hook dropping him over the last few weeks. But that might have been a little blessing in, in disguise for you to potentially move off this guy. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, I was I was happy. That's my last pick of the draft. The draft and to get Tyrell Sloan. Uh, a- Guy that's CTW fullback, dual eligible, who's actually playing fullback in the NRL. I thought that was supreme value. And that was before even seeing him play in the NRL. Um, but yeah, as soon as he got dropped, I dropped him. Because fuck it. I remember, was it against the Panthers? I'm just getting the stats up now where he scored. Because I remember the guy that drafted him in my comp, he said, oh, I got Sloan, how good's that? And I said, mate, he's going to score tries and score 40s. He's going to be disappointing. And, and he, yeah. he, you know, he told me to fuck off, blah, blah, blah. Anyway... Week one, he scored a 78, and I, I I got a pretty abusive text from him. And then the next week, he scored a try and, and scored 26. And uh, needless to say, I haven't fucking heard from him since then, which is disappointing. Did you return serve? Did you get into him? No, I, mate, the, the, the bloke that drafted him, oh, I should actually just read you out his team quickly because he has had one of the worst injury oh, runs. No. 
Right. I have ever like uh, we we were sitting there last week saying he's had a bad injury run. Uh, in last night's game, he had Dominic Young and he had Kalen Ponga. So at separate points during that game, all those guys were injured. Dominic Young looks like he's going to miss some footy. I'll just get up his team because he's holding on to so many guys that aren't playing at the moment. It's fucking ridiculous. He's also a guy that on draft day, he shit the bed unbelievably. He went to draft Toby Sexton and got a bit confused and drafted Jamal Fogarty. <laughs> so that has worked out like an absolute nightmare. So the guys that he's got, he's got Sam Verrills, uh, Josh who he's come back now. He's got David Clemmer, Matt Lodge, Liam Martin, Radley. He's got Peachy, who's been sin-binned three times. He's got Jamal Fogarty that's injured. Um, Dominic Young, he's got Brian Toto, he's got Tyrell Sloan, and he's got KP, who's missed footy. And there's also, there'd be another eight names that he has let go of uh, to bring other guys in, obviously, to replace them. His Jesus. injury run has been unfucking believable And thank God it's happening, ha- happening to him, not me, because I know that my mental health isn't in a position where I can handle that sort of shit. It can, uh, when, when a super coach season just goes completely wrong, there aren't many things worse as far as you, just your relationship w- with your mates and stuff. It, it is just demoralising, isn't it? Yeah, off. And the thing is, like, sometimes you just get a run of that bad luck stuff and there's nothing you can do about it. Because at the end of the day, Supercatch is a game of luck. You know, these guys are going out there. Some guys, Sometimes they're going to have bad games. Sometimes they're going to have good games. You can't plan for injuries and suspensions and all that. And uh, unlucky for the big fella, he's just copped it left, right and centre. Now, mate, when you have a look at your team as it stands right now, you've obviously picked up a couple of guys off the waiver wire as well during that period. Do you want to just run us through the guys that you've grabbed off the waiver wire, the guys that you think might stay long-term and guys that, you know, they, they might just be here for a short stay? Yep. So, uh, obviously, dropped Stefano Udicamano, and I picked up Josh King, which has worked out lovely for me. Yep. Um, I, I am I'm watching him with one eye because 56 last week with a try doesn't really fill me with a lot of confidence, although that game script wasn't really great for your middle forwards because it was just side to side up to guts they were scoring tries everywhere so I'm happy at the moment Um, obviously I talked about picking up Billy Walters uh, off the waiver um, and putting him back in my side I got Sione Katoa I really like this Sharks both edges to be honest they're they're, um, they're attacking well on both edges but Sione Katoa if he's not the best finisher in the game right now I'm not here his body could be five metres outside the field of play and still get the ball down somehow Um, so I love him he's because I've got Toops Garrick and Tago who are just steadfast CTWs I can only play two of them yep Katoa's just that matchup guy for me. When he's coming up against really good matchups like he is this week, um, I put him in there and um, and fire him up. And then, um, so that's all the waiver wire guys I've got so far. Um, so at the moment, this week, uh, my starting 10 is Braley, Collins, uh, King, Olakwatu, Isaac Tago, Toby Sexton. I've put Billy Walters in there over Burton. I've got Daniel Tupu, Sione Katara, and Latrell Mitchell at fullback. It's a good call to start um, Olakowatu. I'm glad that's worked out for you. Yeah, Mate, well, when I, you... Um, I told everyone. Everyone yeah, that would everyone, listen. Everyone that would listen. Unfortunately, <laughs> most don't. When you um, <laughs> when you go to the waiver wire over the next few weeks and sort of for the rest of the season, is there a specific position that you are hoping that some real gold appears for you? I'm pretty happy. Um, obviously, my weak points um, is that second front row forward spot that I've got Josh King at. 
and then my halves at the moment. So, um, I'm well. Once Josh Schuster comes back, I'm going to have three five eight dual eligible guys, which will probably that'll that'll put me in good stead of my five eights. And I just need Toby Sexton just to keep um, performing. So the only position that I'll probably tinker with is going to be that front row forward spot. And like we talked about, it's just going to be guys picking up the up off the up a free agent actually. So guys like. Molo and um, Tom Burgess and guys that are always going to be there on free agents. I might just um, tinker with that a little bit. If if Josh King starts putting in poor performance. At the moment, I love him. He's, he's averaging 58. I'm going to leave him there, but I am watching him closely. Now, mate, if you had to give me uh, a 1 to 10, and uh, don't give me your normal bullshit 10, I want an honest and accurate opinion. What's your rating out of 10 right now to be able to go on and win your comp, do you think? I reckon I have got the second best team on paper. Um, my team, the oh yeah, so it really comes down to Latrell Mitchell, to be honest, yeah. um, for my chances to win it. Uh, I would give my probably, a, probably 8 out of 10 yeah, okay. chances to win it. Um because if Latrell doesn't fire and doesn't start giving me these those 100-plus scores and I come up against the Pappy owner, the Cleary owner, the Turbo owner when um, when he's back, I just won't be able to beat them. So it, it is. It's all, it all fucking comes down to Latrell. I need him to start firing. And, mate, how's your, um, your other half uh, coming along? Wooker, yeah. So his team's quite good. I'll just get it up and let you know. Um, he always drafts well. My team's better than his, obviously, um, but that's no shock. He's coming <laughs> one spot below me. He drafted McInnes, so that's it's been pretty disappointing for him. I'll just go through his players. Reuben Cotter, he got him off the waivers. He has McInnes, Joey Tapanay, Marty Tapau, Tohu Harris. Yeah. So he's waiting in the wings. He picked up Britton Okora once I dropped him. He's got Satili Tupanua, nice pickup. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans, nice pickup. Dylan Brown, nice pickup. Um, he's got your boy Stags. Um, I give that to him every week because he's been fucking horrible. Corey Thompson, Jesse Ramian. He's got Adam Dewey as well on the bench and James Tedesco. So at the moment, he's probably copping a few losses that he shouldn't have, but he does have Tohu Harris and Adam Dewey coming back for the for the run home, which is interesting because if he gets those guys coming back and they start playing well, could be anything for him. Mate, that team's going to be a fucking problem at the end of the season. Yeah, That's I know, hundred percent. I know you're very um, confident to, to beat him on most days, but even you must be looking at that side going, "Fuck!" If Stags can learn how to play rugby league again, and those other two come back, mate, and, and if there's one or two injuries up there in North Queensland, you know, my 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 boy Ruben Cotter could become. Very relevant, very quickly. That's I, I reckon he's not sitting in a bad little spot. Walk. No, he's. I, I'd put him at equal pegging to win it with me. Um, and the big thing is Dewey and, and Tohu Harris coming back and, and performing. Obviously, I'm less on Dewey now, seeing the Tigers and how they're attacking. Yeah. Um, and then it just all depends on how Tohu comes back mentally. Like I'm, I'm sure he'll be physically ready to go. Um, I don't know if they play him you know, the full complement of the 80 minutes that he normally gets, they'll probably ease him back. And especially when you've got Tavega and uh, my boy Curran there, you don't need to. Yeah. 
pay him big minutes. Like, I'm sure the Warriors are probably looking long-term rather than just, let's play him 80 minutes this year. They're probably like, look, we've got Bally Sirinan, we've got Alisa Katawa, they can play edge back row, we've got Aiken as well. Then we've got all these middle forwards that can play lock as well. We don't need to play him big minutes. So that's what I'm fucking hoping anyway. Natty, mate, thank you for joining us once again. Always a pleasure to have you on. And as I always say to my listeners, make sure you go and listen to the weekly rub down. They're putting out the very best Supercoach Draft content. It's why I have partnered up with the boys from day one. So if you're a Supercoach Draft player, even if you're not and you're looking to get into draft, I highly advise you go and listen to the boys. Uh, not just all stats-driven and everything. Very entertaining. They get on the beers. They have a good time. Uh, I think we said before the podcast that you humanize Supercoach. I, I, I think you were the wanker that said that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, if you're a drunk degenerate, you're going to get what we're putting down. You're going to pick up what we're putting down, pretty much. Mate, I see you've taken random stats, guy. You've you've lured him into that dark fucking hole that you two live in. And oh, mate, yeah. the, the, the sensible human being that I met during last year, he's fading away slowly. Oh, yeah, I'm a terrible influence. Yeah, he's going to be a different man by the end of the season. Don't worry about that. I was um <laughs> I was meant to do a podcast with him the other night and he said, Oh, I'm doing one with um with Natty and I went, Okay, cool, what time's that kick off? And he said nine and uh, I said, Okay, sweet he goes, so I'll be with you at nine thirty and I sort of went, Yeah, mate, and I thought in my head there is no. not a hope in fucking <laughs> hell I am gonna see that human and I got the text at nine fifty saying Sorry, bro. I, I don't think I've got much chance. And I said, don't worry, mate. I'm already in bed. I knew it was coming. The drib- the dribblers. He, he's learning to dribble too. He's, he's my young Padawan at the moment for dribble. He's getting better. Yeah, I'm liking him less and less. <laughs> I love it. Mate, thanks for coming on once again. And uh, I think I'm going to jump on the weekly rub down over the next few hours, few days. We'll work it out as we go and uh, go through my team. Are you ready yep. to uh, rip and tear into me or I what? I will rip your team to shreds, bro. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. No, my, my, my team is okay, but I think it's been... Um, it's been covered by a pappy huge captain score to make it look a little bit prettier than what it is. So, mate, I look forward to getting stuck into that. And as I said, my listeners, go and listen to the weekly rub down, some unreal uh, Supercoach draft content over there. Thanks, brother. Cheers, bro. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.